0: S.S. repeat your message. Well, hello, Enterprise. Welcome. I hope you have a lot of pretty boys on board because I'm willing and waiting. In fact, we're going to have a real blowout here. Do it! Yeah, go ahead. Woo. <laughs> Do it! Yeah.
1: Hi, I'm Jason. Paul and this is the hi-fi sci-fi podcast
2: today we're going to be talking about season one episode two the naked now
1: And the second episode of Star Trek The Next Generation has us retreading ground that uh, we already covered, if you're a Star Trek fan from the original series, but we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, Paul, joining us this week is, uh, do, should we call you Jeremiah, or you have several online names as well? What? Uh, what <laughs> Jer- should we?
3: Jeremiah, Jeremiah is the way to go.
1: And uh, are you, we asked that you are not naked now, right? I mean, none of us are naked now for the naked now. It's just... It's,
3: it's the internet. Everybody's always well, naked.
2: Good thing we got that joke out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just get it out there, get it done, get past it. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Um, which, speaking of which, before we get into the episode recap, which is usually where we start, does anyone know why this is called the naked now?
3: <laughs> it's uh, a play on... The original Star Trek
2: episode, right? Which is yeah, the naked the, time? The naked time, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: but why was that called? Like, I mean, that I never understood where the the naked comes hmm. into
2: it. So, is it maybe we, I've been? Yeah, maybe when you say it that way, you put the emphasis in different places, right? Because it could be the naked time, like time is, or it could be like naked time.
1: <laughs> Maybe we best leave this unexplored. Uh <laughs> so this episode does retread uh, ground for for a lot of Trek fans. Uh long story short, there's a weird thing, a contagion of some unknown origin that the crew cannot figure out what it is. It begins spreading around the Enterprise like wildfire putting the Enterprise in danger of two things, either self-destruction from within from a bunch of crewmen who aren't acting like themselves and or the star that they're orbiting, which is about ready to explode, whichever kills them first. So what's with this episode, guys?
2: <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, I, I, I got a lot s- of deep sighs cued.
1: So. Yeah,
2: <laughs> this is Bad
3: Decisions, the episode. This is what it comes down to. Right, yeah.
1: Because they uh, they beam over to, it's the SS Tsiolkovsky is the name of the ship. It's a science vessel, and it was on a solar survey mission. And... Um, they they just become not themselves, and the Enterprise gets just a taste of that over the uh, over the com as they're trying to figure out you know what the Tsiolkovsky's problem is, and then they hear them they hear basically the crew space themselves. They're like yeah do it woo, and then the hatch blows out and they're
3: all in space. Ooh, I don't I don't think we can go over the my favorite line in this entire episode is in that in that little bit. It's um it's the female officer coming on to be like, Hope you got a lot of hot boys on the Enterprise. Like it's it's really weird right away. And that's a
1: weird vein. I'm glad you brought that up. It's a weird vein that continues throughout the entirety of the episode, yeah. specifically with the female characters. And it's like oh, yeah. it's a like I don't know what they were getting at with that, but it's like apparently in order to show how um, you know, uninhibited like uh, people get when they catch this whatever contagion it is. It's basically like everybody on the ship gets horny, and particularly like the the females, which I thought was a weird choice. It's like
2: it it, it feels like one of those bad PSAs from this era, or um, <laughs> or or to some degree, like you know the 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 videos that are like these kids played Dungeons and Dragons, and now they worship Satan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, oh, see what happens if you take a drink. yeah that's kind of what it feels like but it's yeah and and the the gender differences are way too um just way too defined in this episode
1: yeah if memory serves too that's a vein that kind of continues throughout uh throughout the first season in fact we're we're going to talk about another episode uh here in in about a week or so where where we kind of we'll touch on that some more um But I think it's problematic. I think it's of anything that ages Star Trek The Next Generation, specifically these first couple of seasons, I think it's just the casual sexism more than than anything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like it's weird that it feels like the only way they tried to combat that was to make dudes wear skirts. Like, <laughs> there are some extras who are wearing that weird uniform that I think they eventually started to call the scant or whatever, where it's, like, not really a skirt, but kind of a skirt, and it's just a unisex unitard. But it's like, see, it's the future. We're not sexist. And then they write in all this stuff in the in this show that's blatantly Pretty sexist. sexist. Well, yeah.
3: There's a, there a couple explicit, like, lines where uh one of the male characters like please control yourself or something like that it's like oh well
2: alright alright yeah and oddly was, what didn't Riker do that once yeah like, and it's like wow Riker that's weird because the role is usually reversed in later seasons. Right? Yeah. Riker is the one who is so heavily sexualized uh later. Um but yeah. like every time every time he meets a woman in a later season it's like oh hey Hello, lady.
1: I I would like to take a moment to talk about um, what people do in a situation where there's an unknown contaminant, Um, because I feel like if there was a test, everybody on the Enterprise would horribly fail that test up to and including the chief medical officer of the Starship Enterprise.
3: Bad decisions of the episode, man. I
1: mean, just, right? Because, I mean, like, I remember I stopped and I actually yelled at my TV when I was watching this. When um, Jordy just strolls out of sickbay. Like, no one stops him. Right? Like, he's not... He doesn't have to check in with anybody. Like, he beams back from the ship. He's immediately exhibiting weird symptoms. And they're like, something's not right. We need to probably keep him isolated from the population. And what does he do? He gets bored and he's like, I'm gonna go see what's going on down here. And he just, he's
2: gone. And... (laughs) And- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go breathe on a lot of people. <laughs>
3: exactly. well, one of the things I noticed about that scene in particular is I think in later seasons, there's a lot of extras and like side characters, like nurses or assistants yeah. are around. And yep. this one, there's nothing. It's like the doctor and then Jordy, and she leaves the room for one moment. And he's just
2: alone in like <laughs> the entire ship, basically. Well, it does paint a good... Um, well it paints a, a, what, what would be an inaccurate picture of the number of people on the ship right it, it feels like there's a skeleton crew here yeah. and, and everybody has been infected because those are the only people on the ship yeah. um, or even if you're, you're triaging at that point of Geordi of has escaped and has you know contacted a bunch of people in engineering or something um, it, it seems like there, there would be so many other people on the ship that you could just you know quarantine off a whole section and say okay we're just transferring Control of the ship to you guys because we're not going to be able to handle it in a while, right? Yeah. It, it, there's enough people on this ship.
3: Well, and, I I think that up until he leaves sickbay, you might might be able to make a case that they like did all right because they they talk about decontamination on the the beaming <laughs> them back and like getting mm-hmm. them checked out. But after that, it's just no. I mean, every time anybody is real like. There's a scene a little bit later where somebody is obviously contracted and is obviously acting weird, and then the person that l- figures it out just lets them leave. And they're like, oh, that's bad. Never mind. Like, <laughs> wh- what?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's particularly for, you, you know, Let's let's talk about the central, I mean the the crux of this episode which is this unknown contaminant which they never do a very good job of explaining what it is but i guess it's like heavy water or something that makes you drunk yeah i I don't know
2: i i watched this episode twice like i mentioned before we started recording and i still have no idea what (laughs) happened to the crew
3: so i'm pretty sure the boilerplate if you listen to the words that they say is the gravity variations of being near a star that's collapsing Causes water to form chains with carbon in your body that acts like alcohol sort of (sighs) Kind (laughs) of yeah, sort of and the
1: the the thing that always like to me then had me scratch my head And this is another one of those episodes where you I, I think there's like an unwritten rule for Star Trek that If it's an episode where you think too much about it and it all just begins to make less and less sense It's a poorly written episode of, of star trek the <laughs> next generation and this one sort of breaks down because like if that's the explanation which i think you're right i think that is what the characters say they're like yep it's it's that yes. um, the problem is why is it spreading around by touch from person <laughs> yeah. to person in people that are mostly giant bags of water
3: <laughs> and no i mean the the real bearing the lead on that why this makes no sense is why it affects data at all oh, yeah
1: exactly yeah like that's what? And there's that weird scene where they try to hand wave it away and it doesn't work at all.
0: Intoxication is a human condition. Your brain is different. It's not the same as. We are more alike than unlike my dear captain. I have pores. Humans have pores. I have. Fingerprints. Humans have fingerprints.
2: My chemical nutrients are like your blood. If you prick me Do I not leak?
1: And I'm like, no, nope. Not buying it.
2: Nope. Well and oddly, while we're talking about data here, right? Like spoilers, in later seasons, data goes to great lengths to get human emotions, right? Uh Uh-huh. And all, all they have to do is, like, go back to this place, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. very clearly when Data is impaired, Data is also emotional, which is a weird yeah, choice.
3: He, oh, he, the, the saunter he has when he comes onto the bridge after he's yeah. infected is amazing.
2: Uh huh. It's like Data is encountering the range of emotions here um, on full display. And, yeah, later it, it is revealed, like, he, he can't feel any of those. So... It feels really weird. It's another one of those, like, if this was your first time watching it, you'd be like, oh, they have an Android that can uh, have emotions and stuff. And yeah. then later they, they walk that back.
3: Yeah. And they go through great lengths in this episode. They basically make fun of Data for the first third of it for not getting references and for being an Android, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. often.
1: And then, as it turns out, he's a pretty good party guy, right? Like, yeah. that's just, that's what they find out. Um, And so this... This episode, yeah, I mean, Bad Decisions, the episode, is probably, I think, the best way to describe this. Because it's just, it's it's bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. There's There's space madness happening, and it spreads by, the thing that I keep coming back to is that it spreads by touch. Like, regardless of whatever it is, it's, you know, that doesn't make any sense. There's a thing, it's a space disease, and it spreads from person to person by touching that person. Mm-hmm. There are some pretty clear ways that you can just nip that in the bud. Especially given the fact that you have 24th century technology at your disposal, and yet It's just people are just walking around They're touching everybody.
2: I don't think we even need to go to 24th century tech, right? What you need are gloves Yeah,
3: they pretty clearly establish that it's skin-to-skin contact, too. Yes, because there's all kinds of touching on uniforms It's weird like one. I think the doctor gets infected by was it Riker coming in and having sort of a weird, odd touch on the neck to like get her attention?
1: Yeah, yeah. And
3: it's like, why would you do that? Well, that's odd. Like, yeah,
1: they they kind of do they do backflips to establish that like no, haha, you can't get it through your uniform. You have to yeah. And it's like, if that's the case, just just seal everybody off, man. Just cut off those decks, uh, you know, fourteen through sixteen or wherever it is, and stop it, and then figure out what it is from there. But. It's like, I mean, I kept going through this whole episode thinking that, like, this episode betrayed a lot of what Trek, like, TNG is because, one, I never got the sensation that we were on a giant floating city in space. It felt like some sort of weird future dorm room where people just wander in and out all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. And in that environment, yeah, a disease that spreads by skin contact makes total sense. But this is not a dorm in space in the 24th century. It's the flagship of the Federation. And yeah. everybody's better than that.
2: <laughs> well, it actually, yeah, it feels like a, um, you know, if you work at a college, um, a, a, every once in a while, there will be a mono outbreak in a dorm or a few dorms. Um, and, and I mean, that's basically the level we're talking about here, right? I mean, mono is a little deeper than that, but it's like... <sighs> You have to go out of your way to 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 touch people here. It's not an airborne contagion, which would make yeah. this so much easier.
3: I think yeah. the one thing that drives me the craziest about this is the time between touch and you're totally nuts because oh, yeah. Jordy gets it, and he it doesn't like he doesn't really start to lose it for like what maybe an hour they've examined everybody they're back on the ship it's like a couple hours right and then later there's people where you touch them and they're just immediately (laughs) like (laughs) instantaneously
2: jordy's jordy's got that mad tolerance yeah
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) he's just uh he's the only professional on a starship filled with people (laughs) who are just moments away from losing their yeah yeah it's difficult to talk about this episode as a whole because really it's like a jumbled series of awkward character interactions. It's also, I had this thought as I was watching it, it's a weird second episode oh, because... For many reasons. Yeah, for many reasons, but for one, watch I can only imagine watching this back in the day and trying to then... Okay, I just saw that pilot. That was really weird. I'm going to watch this episode and maybe I'll get to know a little bit more about who these characters are. And instead, what you're treated with is like literally a bunch of people who are still finding their characters now having to act out of character. And it's very awkward as as well, you're going through it. Like
2: and, and a lot of the audience for this would have been people who had already seen the original series. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially these early on ones. They weren't they weren't really pitching to a completely new audience. So they're, they're trying to play that nostalgic heart, um, I think, way too early yeah um but they're also then just recycling something that you're already seeing and right? badly that, yeah, yeah and bored mm-hmm.
3: um, I
1: mean,
2: the I, the the fact that they're not giving you something new um and just hoping that you're like, Oh yeah, I remember when that happened at this other this other ship that I saw a while ago.
1: it sort of embodies um early on what a lot of people feared that Star Trek the next generation would <sighs> become it's it's all it's very much the essence of you know, same stuff, just completely different window dressing, right? Like, l- instead of going where no man has gone before, we're literally going where everyone has gone before at this point. Right. Where,
2: where a few people went that
3: one time.
1: Yeah, yeah. back in the and late 60s, yeah.
3: Having watched The Naked Time pretty recently, there are some t- iconic moments in that episode, you know, I mean, just amazing bits where this character is acting so out of usual character that's it's amazing. And in this episode, not only do you have not had that baseline, to have them out of character. There's just nothing really all the out of character stuff is really sort of cringy and terrible. Like, yeah, it's just a failure. It's,
1: it's kind of tame by comparison. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and it, yeah, it, yeah. I think you both touched on it, right? It, 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 forces you to, you're still making a judgment about these characters in your mind. Um, and you haven't had the time to say, this is what this character is like normally. And now this is interesting because this isn't them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah. Instead, you say, oh, well, maybe this is just what they're like, or maybe this is what they're like, but more of it, or, right. and you, you start to paint them um, with the things that are in this episode, which is cl- so clearly could not have been intended.
3: Right. <laughs> right. Well, the, the big takeaway, the reason why I wanted to do this episode was because I remembered it quite fondly. Like, as I remember watching, this came out in 87, and I was not watching it. When it came out, I was only three, right? So I watched this episode in syndication. And at that point, I had seen 50, 100 other episodes. So Mm. I sort of had the built-in knowing all of these characters. Yeah. And so for me, that sort of oddness didn't really happen right away because I already had that backlog of all the characters and loving them and knowing them. And so them acting out a character was like it made some sort of sense. Right. Um, But I can't imagine watching this and being the second time you see these characters. (laughs) Oh, man. And
1: I feel like, um, you know, what we're talking about here, this sort of inherent weirdness or duality within the episode, I think all that comes to a head in what is probably the most memorable scene for a number of reasons, because it also gets referenced later in in the series. Uh, The scene where Data and Lieutenant Yar have sex. Like the the scene where they they get intimate. Because yeah. I, what what occurred to me in that scene is, um, right before the door closes and there's the laugh line where it's like, Oh, oh I know what they're doing, um, Lieutenant Yar goes into this weird oh. totally awkward moment for a piece of
0: character backstory.
2: Do you know how old I was when I was abandoned?
0: Chronological age? No. I'm afraid I am not familiar with five. Five years old, but I survived. I learned how to stay alive,
2: how to avoid the rape gangs. I was 15 before I escaped.
0: I am sorry. I did not know.
2: And what I want now is gentleness and joy and love from you data you are fully functional aren't you
0: of course but
2: how fully
0: in every way of course i am programmed in multiple techniques a broad variety of pleasuring oh you jewel that's exactly what i hoped
1: And and so and that it really struck me watching it this time because I'm like, oh, man, this is a show that's trying to like these writers are trying to do something. And like nobody told them it was a bad idea to do this at this time. But somebody had the idea where it's like, wait, nobody knows who Lieutenant Yar is. We should have some backstory and some exposition. But the way in which it comes out, like, I think signifies why this episode is just so awkward. Because it's
3: it's really heavy backstory too. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah.
1: Li- like it's and it's the worst time for her to deliver it. Essentially, Lieutenant Yar, you later find out more in more detail. She's the survivor of a like a lost, like a doomed Federation colony, which like went into anarchy and um, the government dissolved, and it's basically like a Mad Max planet. Um,
3: well, when it, which, which is there's really the line,
2: interesting too.
3: The specific line is. I avoided the rape gangs for yeah. I forget how long she said for 15 years. I'm like,
1: what? Whoa. Yeah. What kind of hellish existence you do you just, come uh, from? You know? Yeah. yeah.
2: You just can't drop that into a, a casual chat. And you where particularly you
1: want to
3: have sex with somebody.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you that that's exactly it. Like you particularly can't drop it there. Where then you're like, oh, haha. Oh well, they're going to get busy. It's like, no, that's not the natural progression of that conversation. Yeah,
2: because well, and I mean, we'll get to this later. I think. But, um, because I think this, this episode is damaging to a lot of things, but um, I, this, this really feels like one of the places where um, the, the character of, of Yara just becomes so um, damaged beyond saving later.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: Because they do such weird stuff with, like you said, potentially interesting stuff. If this was done, if the story of her backstory, which is an interesting backstory, was in a scene where she's confiding in someone um, where both parties aren't drunk uh, or drunk in quotes, it, it could be a really interesting character piece. And it's just, they, they not only waste things, but they use them to in damaging ways.
3: Yeah. The way I thought of it is it's like, we've all had good friends that we've known for a long time where at some point either maybe they're maybe they're drunk or whatever but at some point they sort of open up and they confide and it's just sort of this bonding moment of you getting to know them better and you know that is what they were maybe shooting for with this but mm-hmm. it turns into that with a random drunk person at a bar where they're just telling you their whole life and it's like oh wow what i don't yeah. need to know this so what's happening this is really awkward
2: it's just uh and they could have saved it, right? They could have even done it in this context if they had done it with another character like uh, Troy, for instance, because she has a scene with Troy earlier. Yeah. Um, they could have had a scene there and had this and then have like this bonding experience with Troy or with anyone. It could have been with Riker. It could have been with Worf. Just anyone that doesn't devolve into this, this really weird setup and a weird close to a scene.
1: Yeah, Yeah. And I wrote this down and I'm going to ask you guys What you think because this I came away from This one scratching my head and I wasn't sure um, What Was really happening on screen So data Consents and they Get intimate But I couldn't figure out was data Supposed to be impaired at that Point was he supposed to be drunk too Because I don't think he was I think they Make a point of it that like after that Experience he comes away drunk but I think he was still relatively free-thinking at that point and just kind of goes along with it.
3: I, I, it wasn't exactly clear, and I watched it again today. Yeah, I'm not sure I could tell you. And,
1: yeah. and the reason I'm bringing it up is because if, if Data is supposedly freely thinking at this point, at some point his job was to just be like, let me go get some help for you.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. His job literally was to get her and take her to sickbay. Yeah. Yep. Like he had literally been ordered to do that. That's why he was there. Yeah. And he was
2: like, oh, did they say when? And he's like, well, I guess not. That's clearly yeah. a loophole. I <laughs> I could see through that.
1: Yeah. Watching. like, And it's another reason why that whole scene, I think, if you were to just distill the entire episode down to that scene, it explains everything that just doesn't work about this entire episode. That it's just awkwardly handled it's badly scripted it's characters not being clear with who they are what they're supposed to be doing sometimes by plot device and sometimes by just being mishandled Um,
3: i i think one of the biggest contrasts is between jordy and yar because jordy when he gets you know super intoxicated he gets really down like there's some heavy stuff where he's like i really just want to see this whole having a visor and not having you know good vision this is really weighs on me even though i don't talk about it and that's just a sad thing that he sort of shares with yar and yar it's like i had a really damaged shot. It's opening up and it turns into this oh now i gotta have sex with data it's like oh
2: yeah yeah This cheapens the, it you know the problem is yeah those are those are really good examples of this, these two parallel tracks that they took down this of of having jordy um get something out of this and then having yar's story just be like well like all the women in this episode, it's immediately sexualized. Like, well, when they get drunk, well, that's what they think about. Mm-hmm. That's what this episode is pushing. Yeah. Um, and, and it brings up an interesting point, which I hadn't thought of. Um, even the, the possibility that Data at that point was not impaired, um, and, and even to some degree if he was, like, he, he's clearly taking advantage of her, right? He knows that she is impaired in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right it's yeah. such oh, such a weird scene and yeah.
1: it gets really uncomfortable really fast yeah
2: um,
1: yeah. there's okay, I've got a bunch of other like random stuff uh, that I wrote down that's th- these are going to be a little disconnected but I'll throw these out there feel free to throw out your own too but um I wrote this down and I highlighted it and circled it and and bolded it and because it, I, I I rewound it actually to check <laughs> you
2: went and bought highlighters just to be able to highlight it I've, I've,
1: <laughs> yeah I live in a house where we still have highlighters so look at me go um the Deanna calls Riker Bill. Yeah. She goes she says I don't even remember what it was, but I just wrote in all caps she called him Bill question mark. That is a thing that is ne like, to my knowledge, never happens again. He does not go by Bill. Like Commander Riker does not use the name Bill. He's referred to as William or often just Will.
3: I actually assumed that I had misheard it
1: no 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 she says bill b-i-l-l bill and i'm like in the first episode no didn't
2: she call him like the emotion isn't that his name isn't (laughs) that the pet name
1: no 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 it's uh it's imzadi is what uh, uh, yeah imzadi which is uh here i get to put on my nerd glasses in the betazoid language imzadi means beloved um but uh that's yeah that's what she calls him but but
2: i wish i i wish i had quickly the definition or the what M'lajin means?
1: means <laughs> the, the
3: is the freedom fighters in afghanistan 20 years ago right
2: i'm thinking of uh, one of my M'adib. i'm thinking of <laughs> <laughs> that is where you're headed with that yes yes i was trying to pull up a, a deep joke so now on all my
3: significant others will be required to call me <laughs> Uh i also wrote
1: down um So, this is my exact wording with this. So, I guess we're just going to strap Jordy down and inject him with stuff, question mark. Um, (laughs) Because that's... It's like, it's really weird. Like, he's just... Now they have the presence of mind to contain him in sickbay, but they do so by literally strapping him to a bench and... (laughs) Multiple times, uh, the the doctor just goes over and she's like, "I don't know, this might work." Stab, and I'm like, "No, what?
2: Uh uh-uh. uh That's that's not the
1: Starfleet way, right?"
2: Yeah, yeah. Here, take some Sudafed. Not working. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
1: Let's Try yeah. something else, I guess. Um, I wrote down that the scene between uh, Picard and Wes is pretty great. Um, the scene where I I liked that one where he's talking to him on the viewer and Picard is now uh, he's still uninfected late into the episode so he still has like his rational thinking you know capacity and Wes has taken over engineering um, and he's turbo drunk and 15 and on a power trip which is kind of funny Wesley
0: Wes are you aware that you are behaving strangely that a kind of Infection was brought over from the Tsiolkovsky, which acts like intoxication.
2: Are you saying that's why I feel so hot? So strange?
0: That's... That's a very adult bit of reasoning, Wesley. So you mean I'm drunk? I feel strange, but also good. Because... Because... you have lost the capacity for self-judgment. Now, alcohol does this, Wesley. But the contaminant we brought back from the Tsiolkovsky does it even more so.
3: What would you do if you got your ship back?
0: Oh, it's very important I do, Wesley, because I must immediately lock a tractor beam onto the Tsiolkovsky and tow it out of... Tractor beams are my specialty, Skipper. I'll contact you when that's done. Wesley out. Wesley? Wesley!
1: And, like seeing Picard like work with the one bit of real character development that they've given him already which is they make it a point to say he's not good with kids he doesn't like children now putting him in this scene where he has to argue with essentially a drunk 15 year old and, and but be calm with him uh, I uh, thought was actually kind of fun like that was yeah, I, I thought, thought
2: that, that worked well too yeah, yeah. It, um, it was odd though on Wes um, because I have some notes right at, at the end like Wes, the Wes, uh, sobers up quick, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he sure sobers up like immediately without, uh, before he even gets the injection at a certain point, he just kind of like turns it off, right? He's just like, Oh, well, we're solving a problem now. And why don't we do it this way? And let's do these things and just it's, is immediately but it not can't. effective anymore.
3: He can't remember the critical last step until he gets the in- injection, though, right? Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, but I can't. We rerouted through the splitters, and I can't. uh, If only I could think straight. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. No, you're right. You're right. It's it, but that last scene is really muddled. Where um, I think the the episode suffers, and you you pointed this out nicely, Paul, that the resolution sort of happens all at once and awkwardly, where um, because the up to the up to that point at the end of the episode, the the central you know conflict had been this disease is spreading and it's going out of control and eventually something bad's going to happen then it's almost like they felt like "Hmm, we gotta we gotta ramp this up a little bit plus also follow the plot line of the original series episode more closely and have the external threat be more threatening and so it's like this race to distribute the cure which they've now worked out um, and get the engines back online before the piece of the star that just exploded hits the ship and it, it it becomes pretty hard to follow just because a, it's kind of ham handed and and awkwardly written anyway, but it's also happening all at the same time. So they're trying to solve the problem with the engines and cure people at the same time. And you're like, wait, what's going on?
2: Piggybacking on your question from earlier. Um, what is the cure? Because I walked away (laughs) from this episode wondering that too, like as ill-defined as the malady they're suffering is, the cure is like even more hand wavy.
3: Well, they almost pull an old, an old Spock thing from the new Star Trek, where so it's like, they at first they discover the cure in an extremely roundabout
2: way oh, yeah. from the original episode, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the then they like, just say, "I remember something from TV, this show I watched back in the '60s." Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the the scene that he does have with Data with that is kind of funny though, because Data's reaction to him is like appropriate, I thought. Um, because Riker says to him, "All I have is a vague memory of somebody taking a clo take, or taking a shower in his or her clothes." Yeah. And Data just responds to him with, "To someone, somewhere?" Question yeah. mark. And I'm just like, yeah. "Yep, that's what you're going on, I guess." Yeah.
2: <laughs> so at the same time, I just googled taking shower in clothes. 58 million hits. Um, 56 <laughs> million hits in in half a second. Uh-huh. Um, which yeah. I guess kind of just dates the episode that Google doesn't exist and they haven't thought that it would in the future. Um, oh. But but that was my thought and that's what I wrote down is, is it really as hard as they make it seem to figure out the situation they're in? Like, well, to search the databases and...
3: This, this is one of the things that I think I gave the episode sort of uh, slack for because it was 87. There's a yeah. lot of stuff where it's like, aha, we found this and we are downloading it into your medical databases now. Like, it's... It feels sort of like futury for the time, but it's aged not very well. I think they sort of get away from that in later seasons, or at least it sort of cleans up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it's sort of like well, it was eighty seven, this sounded really advanced then, you know, okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, and they there's another one that comes up. Um I didn't question that one so much, but but Paul, you're right. That's another one where it's like, Yeah, it's the future and they can't Google stuff. Weird. Um but also when they're downloading the logs from the Tsiolkovsky and it takes like an hour or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, it takes that long to get star charts and scientific measurements. Like what do you guys got a 38 baud kilobaud modem over there? Like what the, what are you transferring this on? Like, oh,
3: I don't know. I thought oh, data, data's answer to that was pretty satisfactory. It's like, well, they've yeah. been taking all this scientific data for eight months. Yeah.
2: It's yeah. Like, yeah, well, yeah. And now, and, and I mean, I, I raised the first one is a bit of a joke too, but and then, and then the second one, I, I probably give more slack, right. That, yeah. um, it's sending things. I mean, I'm getting good wireless signal here, but if I was sending something to another ship across space, um, you Sub. would expect, right? It's just like what the um, the Pluto uh, New Horizons sending stuff back. Now it's like, yeah, it sent it back slow. It's
3: a lot mm-hmm. of space in the way. Well, subspace. Come on now.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's fair too. But come on, <laughs> come on. So yeah. it is. It is something that just dates it interestingly. Yeah. um i am interested that this didn't come up in the first few pages of google search um it's really about people like trying to sell you on the idea that you could shower in your clothes and actually clean them which is weird
1: <laughs> we so, and we're let's not get into the endorsement or criticism of that nope, that's uh, yeah. in my
2: google searches now though so there you
1: go yeah and now google knows you searched it um Let's see, what else? Uh, I put Wes's Wes's science project saves the day. Whoopee. Um, I also made a note of this, and it's interesting because we brought this up. You know, Wes may have been drunk at some point, and then he was cured halfway through it. But Wesley Crusher did solve something in five minutes that the chief engineer would say, that said, took weeks to do. Um, And I made a note of that because I'm like, okay, he's a genius, and we get it. But somebody who's highly trained enough to become the chief engineer of the f- Federation starship that's the flagship of the fleet yeah. doesn't give a more satisfactory answer than, "Ah, eh, it's going to take like six weeks, I don't know, you got to put well, out all those circuits. Well,
2: he, he also comes off super condescending in this, I think. Uh, because like, she says, "Like, oh yeah, that would take weeks, and he's like, well, why don't you just like see it in your mind? Yeah. It's like, well, what do, what do you think she's doing? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, if she didn't do, take a pen and paper out. Do you think you know? she's
2: going to sit there and like do this from scratch and like not think about it in her mind ever once?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, why not reverse fields on this, ma'am? If we just need an extra minute. It would take weeks of laying out new circuits. Why not just see it in your head?
2: Yeah. Come off the main lead, split off at the force activator, then... Then, I could just think straight about this...
3: Yeah. Uh, it really, it takes the tropes from the whole series, which is, Wesley's super smart and good at technical stuff, and this makes it ridiculous in this episode. Just I mean, come on, if... if uh, first off, it says a lot that's bad about the Enterprise that A, you can pull out maybe 50 chips and the engines don't work anymore, period.
1: <laughs> and there's no backup. Like, at no point did anybody say, like, oh, we'll just reroute through a secondary processor. Like, yeah. this is the Federation, man. Like, later, they they joke about having tertiary backups. It's like, yeah. you, you don't have, like, a second set of chips. <laughs>
2: you just yeah. turn on like, and light if up. Those, if those chips are in the engines, you know, maybe solder them in. Right.
3: Yeah. 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 I just read The Martian recently, and they're talking about, well, you have, Four different backups for every communication oh, system yeah. on everything, yep. you know. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it also that he could take over the ship so easily with like a little thing that he recorded over like a microphone. <laughs> like you yeah. think that the Enterprise would be a little smarter? Be like, that's not Picard. Like,
1: yeah. I actually wrote um, I wrote down something about that too. What was my note there? Oh, uh, Wesley and his talk boy are all it takes to take over
2: the <laughs> flagship. Like, oh that's, yeah. That's... Well, and later. Right later, they have all the command codes and things, right? Yeah. That, that Picard on the bridge could just be like, "Computer, like do this," and then yeah. Alpha yeah. Charlie Seven Five Nine. It, it, like he'd say things, right? And the computer would be like, "Oh yeah, that's the guy. Sorry, can yeah. this other guy say those things?"
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, some sort of a backup, some sort of verification. Yeah.
1: yeah, and the the resolution of the episode kind of happens, and it just. Um, I wrote down, uh, what did I have here? I just wrote, you know, everybody on the bridge kind of says, well, that was weird, and then Tasha turns to Data. Never happened. Warp yeah. 7, <laughs> out of here. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, we're done. <laughs> it's yeah. like, mm.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, it's the lack of urgency through the whole episode is very odd. Like, yeah. it's a lack of urgency in the very beginning when they're getting to the um, the, the ship. And it's like people are saying all the super weird stuff, and, like, they're just sort of, oh, That was weird. They just blew themselves out the airlock, I think.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: All right.
3: Like, then he quips a joke about if data's like, sure or not. It's like, Oh, you're an Android. Of course you're sure. Yeah. It's like, Wait,
1: what? <laughs> this is not the time for light humor. I, I also made a note of this, that uh, the the Captain's Log intro, like, says the Enterprise is currently running at warp seven, even though the Enterprise is clearly running at impulse speed. Um, yeah.
3: I, <laughs> in the I, intro. I, I did notice that. I <laughs> I, I, actually, not. I actually I <laughs> actually
2: punched <laughs> myself in the face when I I was a like, nerd, and then I hit myself. Thanks for catching that one, guys. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: I was... Make I feel I, better about myself. <laughs> I just, I literally, like, I scoffed out
3: loud and went, Pfft, no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't do that. I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to claim I did that. No, the it takes the other trope in the show though, which is sort of outrageous, you know, scenarios out of danger to the ext- absolute extreme, right? Yeah. In this episode. Yeah. Like it pulls the uh it pulls the Prometheus thing where there's something coming at them and they're in space so they can move in any direction. <laughs> and instead of pushing the one using the reverse tractor beam to push the other ship into for some reason the thing coming at them. To give themselves a little more time to get away. They don't push it sideways
2: and just get out of the way.
3: <laughs> I, I wrote that down yeah. too,
2: actually. And I wrote down the – my reference was the Futurama episode with the uh, the oil that they were shipping from – I think it was around Pluto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, so they form the ring around it and then it just goes up. He yeah. Says, did exactly. you not understand that ships could travel in three dimensions? And he says, "I did not." <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Well, I think now is a great time to uh, to talk about our bests and worsts. Um, I think we talked about a lot of bad, so let's start with uh, let's start with bests. Um, Jeremiah, you're the guest. Uh, what what was your best?
3: <laughs> I, I gotta say, my best was the performance. Of the, uh, what was it, Sarah Mc, I don't remember I know her name, but I think it's, uh, Brooke Bundy or whoever played the chief, uh, engineering officer. Just how <laughs> just, just put upon she was by everybody just being stupid the whole That's time. A good point. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, she, I don't think she ever really got drunk and she's just trying to, like, solve problems and just, you know, doing whatever she, you know, and chief engineers should. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed <laughs> it. I missed her, actually. I missed her. <sighs>
1: Well, and you, um, it's kind of sad too, because going into this, um, that episode, again, if this was the second episode you watched, the thing that would have stuck out, I think from the pilot episode is you're like, huh, isn't there supposed to be an engineer on this ship? And then in the second episode, they present her and you're like, oh, cool. That's the engineer. And then for the rest of season one, they just keep rotating through people. It's like they have a new chief every week.
2: Wow. Um, I just realized that O'Brien wasn't in this episode. Not at all. What was he doing? What was he doing this whole time? Was uh, he just teleporting stuff into space? <laughs> well,
1: he doesn't even have that job now, right? Because in the pilot, he was not clearly oh, established right. as the transporter. Chief. Bridge. He's, uh, I don't know, he's working in hydroponics. He's meeting some young woman named Keiko. We'll learn more about on, that.
2: He was on the opposite end of the ship and was not affected in the slightest. That's right. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and O'Brien's journal reads, nothing important happened today. <laughs> uh, Paul, what about you? What was your best?
2: I, I, I had to search. Um, and I think mine's much more... I mean, obviously, I had to search. I think mine's much more conceptual, like big picture storyboarding, um, is is just the 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 foresight, the early on foresight they had in placing that external ticking clock. Um, even though we just kind of debunked a lot of it, you know, the three dimensions of space, but having something outside the ship um, that didn't just make this a a problem that that didn't have that ticking clock there, right, that, that, oh, they they might blow out the airlock or they might freeze themselves or something that happened to the first ship. Those are all problems that could be solved, um, even in that that sort of episode in a bottle sort of, sort of mindset that you could just, you know, turn off those ship functions or something. So having that ticking clock outside, I think, was a, a really um, insightful way to, to keep that threat on. And, and it's done well in yeah. terms of the things they kind of thought ahead of time that that might be one of the only things that they <laughs> really did the work on
1: yeah yeah well because without that i think just the episode just would not work dramatically like there would be yeah. there would be no There's-
2: There's no pressure. There's no suspense.
1: It would be, I think it would be even more aimless than it already feels if it didn't, if it weren't for that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I wrote down (laughs) and I, I felt bad about writing this down as my best moment, but it did cause me to literally laugh out loud. And my wife as well, when she was sitting here rewatching it with me, um, the scene between Captain Picard and Doctor Crusher, when she's in, it's it's good. It's my bet. It's the best moment for all the wrong reasons. It's such a bad scene, and it's very awkward. But the mo, the two things <laughs> that I wrote down out of that scene were Picard's awkward throat clearing, <laughs> which was just, which was very like, and then as she's literally pleading for him to comfort her, quote, in a way only a man can. Uh, He turns and whispers to her and he just says, not now, doctor, please. (laughs) And both my wife and I just lose it and we're looking at each other and we're like, what? What just happened? Um, and, And I only wrote that down because it was like it was a high point of laughter in an episode that was just really kind of tedious i mean it was just i mean at least that broke the tension for a little bit and i was like oh oh wow i
2: mean you could hate you could hate watch this episode pretty hard
1: (laughs) yeah you could you could hate watch this one so i think that brings us to the the final conclusion i think i know where we all stand
2: Oh, we Uh, we didn't do the worst oh Oh, please we got to do the worst yeah okay so (laughs) so sorry yeah
1: there were just so many of them i think i was about ready to breeze over them so paul what's your worst
2: well, I mean, I did write down all of it. But um, <laughs> I, I think if I, I had to, again, go kind of big picture conceptual, it's kind of piggybacking on your best, actually. Um, and then your best, uh, which was kind of a, a laughter point in this. Um, but but we've touched on it. That the idea that, that the the way this thing, um, this malady affects the genders is so discrepant and so, like, just way off in terms of, um, that sort of sexism, that sort of casual sexism we talked about that all the, that you have Picard and you have Riker, like these pillars of, Oh no, no, I'm not going to take take advantage of you because, Oh, once a woman gets a little bit of alcohol, like it's wow. just horrible levels of sexism. Um, yeah, and then, and then data who doesn't even have, he doesn't even stand up as a pillar of restraint, um,
1: who is arguably the person so who mostly should, would. Uh, yeah. yeah
2: who is just so poorly done and, and speaks to, like, such a uh, a, a weird past era um, that, 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 yeah, it's hard to see how this wouldn't even be, like, casual sexism in the late 80s. Right, uh, right. But, uh, just so poorly handled.
3: And the only woman that doesn't do that is the chief engineer. And she comes off as super, like, stern Iron Maiden, you know, so it's sort of the opposite stereotype. Yeah. yeah. True. Fair yeah. point.
2: Yeah. They, I mean, they could have done a whole range of things, right? Like, there's so many emotions that you could play off of. Like, yeah, Pretty. yeah, yeah. Or even, I mean, nobody got super angry. Nobody like started fighting. They could have had Yar fight somebody or something.
1: Yeah, for like, a ship full of drunk people, nobody started started uh, you know knuckle bashing. Like that was the point yeah. where I was like, where are, yeah. there's a thousand people on this ship, like someone's gonna go down.
3: Uh, you you thought Worf would have started snapping necks at least? Yeah, I yeah. wanted to see. Yeah, totally oh, missed well. opportunity there.
1: Yeah, um, Jeremiah, what's uh, worst part of this? Uh,
3: I, I I gotta I gotta I can't nail it down to one, so I gotta say two. Okay, one we've already talked about, so I think it's sort of a freebie. Is the scene with Yar coming out about her just horrible childhood uh, and all the the rape gangs cutting sm- like directly into having sex with Data? That's just travesty. Yeah, um, but I think I gotta go off of Paul's best, which is the the tension at the tension from the The solar matter ejection or whatever that's going to destroy the ship. It's just the worst kind of, for me, just the most eye rolling, ham handed sort of (laughs) tension. Like it was not tense at all, and nobody reacted to it like it was tense at all. And it's like the least likely thing that has ever happened in the history of space. It's like, all right, I guess. It was just so eye rolling that it was clear they needed something, and they're like, uh, the star, sure. Like, stars shoot out stuff
2: occasionally, right? yeah. Yeah.
1: they explode yeah and and the one thing that i did i wrote this down too i was like when stars explode they make asteroids (laughs) question mark
2: it was very it was very star wars episode one like oh there's one ship blockading the planet right it's like Mm -hmm. oh there's one asteroid and it's coming right for you yeah yeah
3: like i said the least likely thing that's ever happened (laughs) yep uh,
1: let's see my my worst episode uh, or my worst thing about this episode uh, would have to be just I, data um, yeah. he doesn't work in this episode at all like on on really any level like all of the really annoying like Pinocchioisms isms that he was really guilty of in the first couple of seasons are just super heavy and dense in this one yeah. um, even from like the f- from the word go where he's you know Picard's like are you sure no of course you are um, he corrects Riker on they were sucked out into space and he said oh, that's blown out you know and it's like I mean, why? Why? I mean, we get it. He's a he's an android, and like he he just so even when he's quote unquote himself, he's he doesn't work very well. And then particularly when they flip the script and it's like, oh, he can get drunk too. He's just I, I mean, he's all kinds of bad, and it's really kind of a travesty to to a character who will become I think one really one of the the true standout like you know pillars of the show. I mean, sure. Um, he
3: can he can put in those chips real fast though.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just put those chips in faster, monkey. Just beep 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 beep.
3: beep, beep. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, it's just it was unfortunate, I think. So, well, finally, uh, what's the verdict on this one? Uh, for for new to Trek, you know, watch it or skip it. Um,
2: Paul. So, well, I, I, well, I think I, I mean I have to say skip it, but I, I think there is an interesting point that that um, I forget. I think Jeremiah um, sort of touched on earlier. Um maybe maybe you did. But the idea that you should skip this now, almost certainly. Um, but it would do it would be almost interesting to go back and watch this later after you had the feeling of the characters. Um because I, I don't think this is just a bad episode now. I think this is a damaging episode now. It's damaging to oh, the yeah. the development yeah. of the characters and you should not watch it as a second episode of the series if you had not accidentally watched several other seasons of the series. Yeah. Um but to go back and watch it later, um, it would be far less damaging because you'd have that background. I'm still not sure you should, but once you, once you're hooked in the series, eh, you can go back and try this one on again.
1: Yeah, you'll be but, more forgiving at that
2: point. But you should definitely not watch it as the second thing you watch.
1: Yeah, <sighs>
2: yeah. Jeremiah, what do you think?
3: My my analysis of this is it's the same one as the. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can even say this. The same one as the the Star Wars problem. There's, there's two ways you recommend your friends to watch Star Wars for the first time, right? And none of them are watch from the beginning, <laughs> right? So it's, if you could, you, there's two things. You can say either watch the good episodes of this, the next generation, starting from the beginning. You know, go watch all the big episodes, the good stuff. And then if they're really into it, then start coming back and hitting these sort of one-off episodes. But this would be pretty far down the list. Like, yeah. ugh, this is a
2: rough one yeah
3: well and, maybe
2: maybe like right before um the tar monster episode you know mm-hmm. like <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. that's just a that's just a uh two episodes of how do you ruin a character
2: and they'd be and like, oh that's why her. they killed her yeah <laughs> that's, that's <true>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um
1: yeah, I have to vote skip it, and i I'm actually gonna just vote skip it all the way around it's um it doesn't really have any point to it. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't bring anything to the conversation. It, in its worst cases, it actively does a disservice to the characters, and even the, in the best moments, they're largely laugh lines or throwaways. Um, yeah. And it's really this sort of. Uh, I mean, the only value because I kept kind of scratching my head and, and twisting this one on its side and going, like, is there anything worthwhile about this this stinking episode? and the only thing i came away with was it's sort of a it's a cultural artifact of its time um that that shows just how hard they were struggling trying to put a new star trek series together um yeah it it really shows how badly they had to kind of miss before they could connect and get some pretty good hits you know and and this one i think just it, it they were trying a couple of different things but it just didn't work it just the the characters weren't right the story was recycled and boring um you know it just it's it's forgettable it's easily forgettable and forgotten
2: yeah and um, a lot of these early ones are crappy little time capsules
1: yeah yeah I, I mean it's it's best as a novelty it's it's those like if if you're a lifelong fan of the series i mean i did enjoy watching it but largely for the wrong reasons where i was like oh i can't believe this <laughs> happened oh it, man
3: it's, it's either your favorite characters at their worst or characters you hate being th- why you hate them <laughs> yeah exactly i mean
1: well, uh, that is going to do it for uh, the second episode of the series. Probably the weirdest second outing of any show I can remember in, I mean, a long time, long, long time. So my, my
3: least, least shows favorite that, so far. You mean shows <laughs> that had more than eight episodes? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, to think that this episode had or this series had seven seasons, it's tough to see it yeah. from here. <laughs> but uh, that's going to do it for the Hi-Fi Sci-Fi Podcast. Jeremiah, I hope you had fun. Oh yeah. Um, thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, we'll see you again in future episodes. Until next time, I'm Jason, and I'm Paul. And watch that space drunk madness.
0: I put it to you all. I think we shall end up with a fine crew if we avoid temptation. So, number one, let's go to our next job. Aye, sir. Engage.